That's not a sign and wonder that I'm a prophet. The biggest sign and wonder that you're a prophet, Paul Kane said, is questioning you. Yeah. But those are the charismatic moves, you know. Those, I, can, I, can, I can talk forever. There was a guy called Peter Wagner. Peter Wagner started, don't know if you ever heard of him. <coughs> Peter Wagner started what was called a apostolic coalition. That was in the 1980s. Where there was no word apostle flying around in church. Because church, a guy called, what's the guy from the Baptist? It's against it, secessionist. Um, yeah. no, don't worry, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting there. Okay. But uh, this guy is against Pentecost, against anything power gifts in church. He's a Baptist. Very good, very good speaker, very good author. This guy does not believe in power gifts in the, the Spirit of God moving in the church. He does not believe in prophets and apostles in church. Peter Wagner started this coalition of apostles and he was, this guy nailed them. John MacArthur. John MacArthur started this thing. Yeah. John MacArthur is a very critical Baptist. If you listen, ever listen to John MacArthur, this guy has got... The Dr. John Michael. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got the ability to mesmerize you with words. Yeah. He is very learned. He will take you from what you believe in scripture and he will convince you to believe what he believes. That's how good he is. Mm -hmm. Be careful for him. So uh, Peter Wagner started this coalition of apostles and he was attacked violently. He had three, four books written on the subject, basically. He started something called prayer walk. This guy would gather people, go into an area and pray through the area and the area would be cleansed. That's what they said. Cleansed. Demons <coughs> and devils. If, for instance, if you would come into Cape Town, right, then you would cleanse the area of gangsterism through prayer. <coughs> right. That's, that's the charismatic move. It's, it's a powerful thing. Then came in the prophetic movement. Prophetic movement came in by Bill, uh, was initiated by Dr. Bill Hammond, who later went on to have his own Bible school on the prophetics. He wrote about four powerful, powerful books on the prophetic. I still remember the first book I read of him was Prophets and Personal Prophecy. How do you deal with personal prophecy? You have never, haven't you heard about that? Mm, I've heard about it. It's a, it's a very good book. Very good book. Currently now, this book is outdated in the spirit. Yeah. That's how God works. He will restore something here. When it comes to here, 10, 10 years, 20 years later, this they will restore is outdated. But you, you take the principles here of the movement and bring it over to what God is saying now. Unfortunately, the apostolic reformation has done something very bad. And this is something that I have against it's not the movement, it's against people in charge of the movement. People spearheading the movement. They knocked everything down that God did before. They knocked Pentecost down. And I fell into that trap as well. I knocked prayer walking down. I knocked evangelism down. Because that's what the, what, what the Apostolic Reformation does. But when I learned why they do it, why they do it, I still didn't accept them doing it. But when I learned why, I said, wow. Now, I'm saying this to you right now. God spoke to me. God said, everything is changing. Everything is changing. And if, if God's changing everything, then it means everything. All means all. Mm. Right? It's not about singing songs and singing new songs. What we've done in the past is that if God does something new, take for instance, we had hymns, right? Mm. Hymns, no, no, the hymnals. Uh, I still remember the, the, the Methodists had a book called, songbook they called the Sankey. I don't know why they called it the Sankey. Somebody said it was sanctified hymns. 400 hymns in that book, thick book. The Charismatics came in and Integrity Worship came in, Integrity Hosanna came in and they did songs. They did songs, short songs, very beautiful songs, you know. And then comes hymn songs. Now, hymn songs have been, been very good. But the question is, how many songs of the, the new songs do you remember after 10 years? Mm. The only song that I can tell you, I think uh, I remember from Hill songs, is The Power of Your Love. It still sticks. 
But then you go to the old songs, the old rugged cross mm. still stands. I'm not about songs, guys. I'm not, I wouldn't even prefer singing the old rugged cross in a meeting. I take the word to be the predominant factor of the meeting. If God is changing everything, and we're going to ask ourselves the question, how do I get in line? I want to just shortly talk about aligning with the will of God from different sectors, <coughs> levels. How do I align with the will of God in my marriage? How do I align with the will of God as an individual, my personal life? How do I align with the will of God, the word of God, the revealed will of God in my finances? Am I open to change? How do I align with, with social media? People might say, that social media is not in the Word of God. It might not be mentioned in the Word of God. But listen, Psalm chapter 1 deals with all the stuff. Right. So, if I talk about alignment with the Word of God, I've got to ask the question, what's the Word of God? You must have heard people praying, all this I ask, if it is your will. In Jesus' name. That's what people, you know, they shoot around, you know, it's like, almost like this, these, these game shops you go around, and if you shoot six ducks in a row, they give you 200 coins or something like that. If you miss, they take your coins. <coughs> Can we afford to play like that in church now? Mm-hmm. Can we afford to miss when it comes to the will of God? Mm-hmm. I personally can't afford to do that. My age now, I can't afford to play games. Really, I can't afford that. I was a bit angry. Not angry. <coughs> I was a bit frustrated last night with God. I said, God, why do you tell this to me? And He's not only tell, told me that last night. It's about two years now. God is keep on, keeping on telling me the church is changing. Church is changing. And two weeks ago, let me just say this before I say about two weeks ago. Two years ago, maybe longer than two years ago, I said to people, we need to learn to pray from the eternal. You, you remember that? Yeah. We need to learn to pray from the eternal. <clears throat> and I felt it's too quick to come and mention these things. Praying from the eternal is a, is a, is a, is a very strong, it's a very strong thing to talk about. But you know, we need to look at it. We need to ask God, what does it entail praying from the eternal? Praying from the eternal. You're moving everything, Carl. Thank you, so I need to sit on the first. Sorry, man. Carl is moving. You see, so we get into and we get into habits. A thing works now. For instance, take for instance deliverance ministry. A thing works. Let me make it the ministry. <clears throat> That's what we think it is. And it's not that. It's not that. We need to be certain what's the will of God for the season. I can tell you right now what's the will of God for the season. Hear me now carefully. This season, we need to build word intensive people. I'll say it again. Word intensive people. People that love the Word of God. People that are concerned about the Word of God. You know, people that crave the Word of God, meditate in the Word of God, make the Word of God their purpose, make the Word of God their priority. We're going to stand this out amongst us. Sunday morning, we open our Bibles, whether it's a Bible, literally, or a, a phone book, or a, a laptop, you open your Bible. We need to get rid of that dimension. That habit must stop amongst us. At the table, I personally want that to stop. I would rather have this group around the table. Open up every morning when you wake up. This thing in my hand, the cell phone is a powerful tool, guys. But if you have word on it, open up on the word. Are you listening to me? Open up. Forget social media, but men.
2001, somebody said, the world will be dominated by social media and no one knew what he was talking about. He said that even your kids will wake up in the morning and as soon as their eyes open, they will have a gadget in their hand and they will be busy with social media. And social media, you and I know, is a broad thing, very broad, very broad. But we need to get rid of this because this controls our lives. Say amen? Amen. amen. Because without this, you know, life will not be the same. This gadget here, whether we like it or not, has changed the lifestyles. It's changed modern lifestyle completely. And it's changing all the time. Before they would take they, 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 they would take information and store it on files. And they would put it in, in warehouses, in bins, big bins. <coughs> Nowadays, <coughs> take the information and store the, the information on a hair, and the pin of a needle. They store it in there. That's how small it is. What's your phone's capacity? My phone. Storage here. Oh, 128 gigs. 128 gigs. How much can you store in that? A lot. A lot. The Indians and the Chinese are the fastest now when it comes to technology. And the West is tailing in the background completely. The Indians, the Indians said they can take over the world with the IT. But that's not their aim. What I'm trying to say is that you can take, I mean, from 1 to 8 to 254. That's the storage now. And even bigger than that. It's growing and growing and growing. I am amazed when I <laughs> went to school. Uh, do you still remember your, your textbooks? Yeah. I remember my textbook in the trick, where the green textbook, over 450 pages on history. Nowadays, the children go with the phone to school and they have a laptop and everything on there, have everything on there. While the teachers speak, they can print it out for them. Life has changed completely. So we need to change as well in the church. The apostolic reformation right now, God is attacking this reformation violently. I never thought I would say this. Because this reformation brought me where I am. You hear me guys? If you know nothing about the reformation, the apostolic reformation, <coughs> please get to know about it. Because the next level is a very, very high level of this reformation. The definition of prophets are changing, the definition of apostles are changing completely. You heard about prophets one side, apostles one side. God is showing both. I'm of the opinion. They, still, they will still operate individually. But the new thing that God is doing is, look at me. Prophets and apostles merging the grace together in one person. That's going to be powerful. It's happening already. Let me just verify that. Moses goes to the mountain. Right? Speaks to the Lord. The Lord gives him the patterns and the plans of the tabernacle and the law. The Lord gives him that. When it comes to the patterns and the plans of the tabernacle, you must remember Moses, his historical background, is a prince. In Egypt. Okay? He does not have a clue about how to put this blueprint of archaeology into, into practice. He did not know what God was showing him. But he embraced it. God tells him later on, take this to Bezalel and the tribe, certain people. Those, with, the Bible calls them in the King James, Cunning workers, they were, they were working with cunning craft. Doesn't mean they were scallum. <clears throat> means they were very, very good at what they did. And they will make it. So you get Moses type 
the prophet goes to the mountaintop to get the plans there. You get the Bezalel type, the apostolic order, who built what builds through. Now God is saying, the prophet don't have to go to the apostle. The prophet will be able to dissect it himself. Because the grace of the apostle is in them. That's a new thing that God is doing, basically. Take, for instance, the how many of you have heard about the king-priest ministry? Every king needs a priest. <coughs> because the kings are in the marketplace. The priests are in the sacred dimension. God abolished both. Right now, kings and priests. right now, the biggest problem in church is the priesthood of all believers not being understood completely. Because with the priesthood of a believer comes the kingship. Of the believer. So the prophet, priest, and king dimension is breaking forth in the church. Okay? You, sir, God says, I must tell you this that anointing of prophet and priest is in you. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, when we talk about prophet and priest king in, in, in one person, what we're saying is that you are able, whether I'm going to define it, you are able to locate the riches of God in the heavens and it's being poured out big time now. And bring it down. What you do with that is you advance the kingdom of God. Okay? Now do me a favor. Please, when that word goes out to Mike, Take hold of it. Amen. 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 Take hold of what God is saying to Michael. Rub shoulders with him often. Right? And and just, you know, get the only smear over you. If I were you, I'd pray, Lord, just make me have a lunch, please. <laughs> <laughs> On the king-priest ministry, it's becoming one now. You cannot say it's wrong. There's some people that's going on in church that there's no such thing as a king-priest ministry. There's no such thing as kings making the money for the priest to advance the kingdom. And therefore comes this idea. Priests, ask business guys, help us to further the vision. I don't believe that. I believe the king-priest ministry manifests itself brilliantly in the Father-Son dimension. Mm. I don't think we and the script are ready for the Father-Son dimension yet. Because, you know, it, it is not the normal thing. But when, when, when a father gets up and have a vision of a network, if it's a network, where he was trained sons, number one, to go into the world in different dimensions and take over. For instance, traveling, traveling. If a father says, this, this group must travel now. Those that don't have money won't be able to travel, right? Mm -hmm. So when the father says, or a pastor says, this group must travel, it, you, that word must be analyzed. How will we travel? Okay. So there must come traveling resources. So when God says to Michael, you are the king priest, you have the king priest inside of you, it, it just simply means that he's a resource for the kingdom to advance. Mm -hmm. And I need to sit with you and Karen. And I'm not going to take anybody else of the group to talk about that. And, and how you structure this resource into kingdom advancement. Because it will be wrong for us to believe that th this will be something that is going to affect the kingdom. But if you sit with the old mentality <coughs> of, a, of a Pentecostal or a charismatic or a, a, even the prophetic dimension, sit with the old mentality, it will not work. God had to remove Joseph out of the house of Jacob. Hear me today. Out of the house of Jacob out of his country, way beyond where he never was before. 
To do what? To change another country. To become a superpower in order to dominate the world. Yeah. And listen to me. That's how God operates. I like what Michael said some time ago. Michael said he came the first the first Sunday to listen. Alright? To listen. And he's still listening. He's still listening. That's how God operates. It's not Daryl Field. I mean, let me just define myself to you from, from the out, outside. I speak fast. Hey, Andy, don't. Mm. I speak very fast. And sometimes I get excited that oh, don't even know what I said. Mm. Very fast. Most people will not listen to me. I try to speak slower. I tried to, I tried, I said, God, help me, help me know there's speed traps out there in the spirit. <laughs> if I go fast over that, I'm going to get locked down. I speak very fast. I don't have the acumen, honestly, to do the prophetic the way God shows me. How could I come around these guys? Answer, Michael, Brian, yourselves. How do we do this? Because we are not normal. We are not normal. Say after me, we're not normal. We're not normal. Now listen to me. When, when I say we're not normal, I'm not saying we are abnormal. I'm saying we don't do church the way church has been done. You get apostles in church, apostles. <clears throat> the AFM church, you know the AFM church, the Apostolic Faith Mission. They have apostles and they say that you are an apostle to the AFM church. The full gospel says you are a prophet to the full gospel church. And so it goes around you. You are a prophet and apostle to a certain group. And even if you're in a network, you won't be recognized by the Judah Alliance if you do not walk with another. If you do, if you do not walk with the Judah Alliance, they won't recognize you as a prophet or an apostle. But when it comes to church, Church, his church, God's church. Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Mm. That's changing, guys. Yeah. <clears throat> I had time now to explain to you the whole day what Paul is saying there. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's not talking about a person. He's talking about an administration. He says, Paul, an apostle after the apostolic administration of Jesus Christ. One dimension in finances, another dimension in education. So I can lay it all down for you. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, one of the deepest statements you can find. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. In other words, sustained change has come. God says we've got to change. You've got to find out what's the will of God concerning certain things. And one of the things we're going to have problems with is God says something here now. I'm restoring apostles. 20 years later, he's not restoring apostles anymore. He's building our, our ideology and philosophy of apostleship in a broad sense. How does apostles function in a banking system. Those things we never think about. We never think about. How does apostles and prophets and microscopes function in the retail and the marketing system? We do not know that. How do you educate and train these guys? How does Daryl come and train Michael? He knows more about business than me. All I can tell Michael is this. You've got to align with the will of God in the season. Not coaching according to that. So I'm gonna just shortly talk about Isaiah 55. Isaiah, can read Isaiah 55. <clears throat> align with the will of God. You've got to align with the word of God. God's will is revealed in His Word. Isaiah 55. Right. Let's see from verse 9, 8, verse 9. I'll give you the background of the scripture. Uh, <coughs> verse 8. Now 
Isaiah 55. Hey, you got it. My thoughts. Yeah, we're going to send zero in on verse 10 and 11, okay? But we're going to give you the background. God is speaking to the prophet. God says to Isaiah, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. Whereas the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. In other words, I do not operate on a man-made system. I do not operate as a human. The big difference there. My thoughts are not your thoughts. The way I do things are not the way you do things. There's a, there's a big chasm there. Between God's ways and human ways. Then God says, this is how he operates. Verse 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth. Now let's just stop there. God is saying, my thoughts and my ways are not your ways. I operate differently. And then he comes and says, this is, he says, guys, he says, this is how I operate. And he takes an example. He takes agriculture, he says, as the rain and the snow falls from heaven and does not return back unto the heavens without watering the earth, causing it or making it to, to bear and to sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. That's how that is. He's, he's taking the rain format, the snow format, right? Have you ever seen rain falling down and returning? Yes. Yusuf, did you ever see rain coming down and, and returning? In my mind, rain falls down and you never see rain going up. Look at me. Rain falls down and rain going up. Never, never, never. God says, so is my word. Now listen, you're going to break this up, a landing with the will of God. You must remember aligning with the will of God in every facet and level of life. And this is how you do it. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there. Where? From heaven. Without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Right? He's describing the purpose of rain and snow. What they do. They give water to the earth and that water that they give cause the earth right, to bear yeah. and to sprout, to grow. And eventually, you see to the sower and bear to the eater. In other words, rain causes cycles. Yeah. It does not return where it comes from. So God then says, so shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. <coughs> it shall not return to me empty. <clears throat> this book is not an empty book. It has a purpose inside of it. Whenever God's word goes out, whenever God's word goes out, it goes out with apostolic intention. Now, let me explain to you what apostolic intention means. The word apostle means same one. So when, when the rain goes out, it goes out with apostolic capacity. And the capacity is to do what it was supposed to do. It goes out for a reason. So God says, as the rain goes out for a reason, so my word goes out of my mouth for a reason, and it does not return to me void. But it accomplishes the thing it has been sent unto. Now, can you wrap your mind around that? Please think carefully what you're saying. Can you wrap your mind around the word of God going out of God's mouth, the proceeding word going out of God's mouth, and it's going to accomplish something? You know why we can't? Because we haven't ever been taught to stand still and look at the scripture. This is how God operates. Can we operate the same way? Can I align myself yes. with the will of God in this capacity? Yes. Now, this will affect every area of your life, especially your prayer life. If you begin to align with the word of God, which is the book, right? And you begin to speak the book. That speaking goes out with 
an intent intent to achieve something on behalf of God from your mouth. Amen. Are you listening? Yes. That's how powerful their words are. Jesus said, remember Jesus said, you will give an account of every word you speak. Mm. And we have better to let the gossiping and lying, and no, 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 that's the creative order of the word of God. Mm. It's how God operates. In other words, mankind is supposed to operate the same way. Mm. Speak a word, the word goes out and performs it. Yes. The word that you speak goes up. It has inherent power locked in itself. Because you're not speaking the news. Okay? You're not speaking the weather systems. You're not speaking social media. You're not speaking the sports and entertainment world. You're speaking the word. So shall my word be that proceeds out of my mouth. It shall accomplish the thing it has been sent unto. Go back to verse, verse 11. So shall my word be, which goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, without accomplishing what I desire, and without sitting in the matter for which I send it. And then it says, you shall go out with joy. Hmm? What does it say? You shall go out with joy. You shall go out with joy. How? Speaking the word. Yeah. You will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into sounds of joy before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. In other words, you will change things. Come on. You shall go out with joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. When you speak the word of God, you might not even know it or even be conscious of it. When you speak the word of God into anything, you release the joy of the Lord. Mm. The substructure of life, the joy of the Lord into anything. How do I align with the word of God? Get to know the word. When I get to know the word of God, you know, one of the ways that I find myself to get to know the word of God is to repeat the word of God often. I would take scripture and I would just stand. Yesterday I stood with this verse because I knew I'm going to speak about it today. I stood with Isaiah 55. I drove around <coughs> here, found a little for the kids to do this and that. While I was waiting, I spoke that word over and over and over. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I am aligning myself with the will of God. I speak the word, I speak the word, I speak the word. In fact, that's what God wants you to do. Yes. So I would say to Michael now, your staff will not steal from you anymore. Michael must believe it. Because what happened this week is unpleasant. It brings a rift in all the, all the processes he was busy with. Yeah. Okay. Things come to a stop. It's not about theft, guys. It's about your business being under attack. Yeah. From the inside. And you've got to stop the rot. Now, somebody else has got to come in and be trained again. Do you understand what's happening here? It's not just, oh, I'm fired some people. It had to be done. You've got to be responsible. So now you speak over your people. From now on, from now on, do what Daryl Few does. Every morning, pray the prayer of benediction over your people. The Lord bless you. Amen. Amen. The Lord keep you. <coughs> the Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you. That word gracious means the Lord be favorable unto you. <coughs> and I just brought it out. I say, I say, when I pray for my son, I said, your favor goes out in front of him, your favor close him in the back, your favor close him in the left, and on the right, on the top, and on the bottom. And I make number six, 22 to 26, a reality. I speak the word. <coughs> I do not go sleep unless I pray this over everybody. I'm not trying to say to you to get into your good books. I pray this constantly over everybody that I walk with and that walks with me. I don't play games anymore. 
And I pray for Elsby. I said, oh, she's blessed in finding a new house. Amen. 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 And I released number six, mm -hmm. 22 to 26, on Elsby, husband and the kids. You the same. Find the place God has prepared for you. Amen. I align myself. I don't. I don't align myself with lack. I don't align myself with shortcomings. I used to ask, oh, how am I going to do this? God said to me, I'm going to upgrade you. And then my mind went out to me like this, how will you upgrade me? And somebody said to me, would you just shut up? Literally, somebody said to me, will you just shut up? I got angry. How can you tell me to shut up in my own place? He said to me, called me Phil. He said, Phil, just shut up. But he didn't talk. He's very soft spoken. He said, Phil, just shut up. And I shut up. And then he explained to me how God taught him how God will operate in his life. Whisper your name to someone. One of the ways of the will of God is to align yourself. This might not be your normal teaching you're going to hear now. This might, one of the ways to align you with this world, know how God leads. I know everybody can go to God and ask God advice. Everybody. Mike can go, Carl can go, everybody, Auntie Dawn can go, Yusuf can go, everybody can go, you have a right to. Good news for you. Many times, most of the time, 99.999%, .99 you do not hear God speak to you. Am I right or am I right? Why? Because he has a way of doing things. Hebrews chapter 1. God had some great times in diverse manners, spoke unto the fathers by the prophets, right? That's how he spoke. But in his last days, he has spoken unto us by the son. His ways of doing things. And God said to Moses, tell all the men to slaughter a lamb for Passover, for tonight you're moving out. Slaughter a lamb, right? Sunset, have a braai. Eat the lamb completely. God spoke to Moses alone, right? Moses had to go to the others around him. And there to further the message of God. That's how God operates, guys. Are you listening to me? That's how God operates. I'm not talking about your personal ways of life. I'm talking about the general way of how God operates. You go to First Chronicles 12. And I know we all only know First Chronicles 12, 32. The sons of Issachar, right? Knew the times and know the times and knew what Israel to do. Right? But we go to verse 1. These are the men that gathered unto David. They didn't gather unto God. They gathered unto David. Come on. Read it. You'll find out. These are the men that gathered unto David. God put a man there. This is the king I have anointed. That's my favorite king. My king I like. The king that satisfied me. This is my choicest God. This is my king David. He might have looked like a, a youngster. An adolescent king perhaps. Right? Because Saul pursued him for 12 years, guys. Hear what I'm saying to you. After he was anointed. While he was in the cave of Adullam. Hiding from Saul. The nation started to migrate from Saul to David. Hear me good now? They gathered unto David. And then the whole chapter of chapter 12 <coughs> described the type of men and what they did that gathered unto David. That's how God leads. Hello, church. Have you ever noticed God starts with one man? Yes. A movement. That one man sends the movement drops. Come on. The movement shows up. You, I can mention the name now. Brian Houston, Hillsongs, powerful, right? You fell? Where's Hillsongs now? You know how many people are not, don't even want to be associated with the name of Hillsongs? There's a one man sin. Yeah. God operates through a man. 
Okay. Have I said enough of that now? Are you learning something? Therefore, it's a gathering unto a man. We call that in the season the set man. God set a man. He set apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors in the church. He set them there. You've got to gather unto a set man, a set woman. Okay? That's how he operates. That's how you align with the will of God. Have you ever heard about have you ever heard about in a, in a secular world God says, like Michael said I fired three people in the secular world have you ever heard this in the, natu- in, in the, in the spiritual God fired people <coughs> never hear it but it happens how does God fire people how does I can tell you many men powerful men of God oh, there's one family now one family now the men of God started a big church, a big movement. Brought in hundreds and thousands of people all over the Cape Flats and beyond. Built a big structure, building as well. Building structure and brought in a structure of, of, of believership you know, and church in, on, on the Cape Flats. And the apostolic movement came in. He rejected the apostolic movement. Today, that guy is outside church. Somebody took over the church he started. Right? This guy is over 80% blind at the moment. Literally blind. His wife is almost like blind. His two kids also have eye problems at the moment. That's what happens if God fires somebody. Please. Let's learn to align ourselves with the will of God. When you align yourself with the will of God, you align yourself with the word. The word is the will of God. Yeah. So shall my word be, which goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. Learn this now. If you speak the word, the word does not return empty. Okay? The word does not return empty. You've never seen rain going back up to the heavens. So God says the word will not return to you empty. When I speak to you, there's evidence coming forth <coughs> unto God. It comes out of you. Are you with me? There's evidence there. It's it's 30 fold, 60 fold, and 100 fold. Let me do it the public way. It's, it's 100 fold, 60 fold, and 30 fold. That's how the word operates. From the top level to the lowest level. We operate from the outside. 30, 60, 100. God operates from the 100 level, 60 level, 30 level. Excellency is in the word of God. Inherent power is in the word of God. When the word of God goes out, there's inherent power inside the word. When God says, the Bible says, He sent out His word and healed them. The word that He spoke healed them. The word that He spoke healed them. The camp, the camp was, they were bitten by snakes because they were disobedient. The very thing, the very thing that they worshipped, turned around and bit them. The very thing that they built and worship, turned around and bid them. God said, He sent His word into the camp and the word healed them. Not the copper snake. The word healed them. As they focused upon the word, they got healed. As the word is sent out into every sector of your life, the word brings healing. Amen. Amen. You should ask on Tuesday night for a prayer for himself. Now, as I prayed, I, in my mind when I was praying, I, I thought to myself, what do I pray for? What do I pray for? And all of a sudden, I prayed for you for the job. It wasn't my intent to pray for him. My mind wasn't on him for the job. But as I prayed for him for the job, That word went out. Am I right? That word went out. God give yourself a job. 
and God took the word and gave him a job. When we got home, I got an SMS. Michael asked me to work for him tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. The word went out and the word performed what was needed. You align with the will of God. You align with the will of God. How do you align with the will of God? It's a principle that I'm teaching this morning. How do you align with the will of God? You align with the will of God by the word. By the word of God. It's how you align with the will of God. On Tuesday night, I said that no one in this table will, I don't hear anybody pray if it be thy will. Don't pray like that. Jesus prayed once. He said, God, if it be your will. But he knew it wasn't God's will, man. Yeah. Jesus knew it. God not give you the right to do it. So Jesus did it. I want to close with this. You do not pray in Jesus' name anymore. Shocking, eh? You do not come and say, Father, I ask this thing in the name of Jesus. That's not the right way to do it. The name of Jesus represents an order, an administration, a will, a set of rules and regulations. When God said, when Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, in other words, what I stand for, the Father will give it to you. What does Jesus stand for? Son. Amen. As you're asking, represent sonship. Or does your asking represent kingdom fundamentals or an advanced lifestyle? Okay. Let me say, say something to you right now. When I heard God say to me, this asking, seeking, and knocking, and I'm telling you, God said to me, this asking, seeking, and knocking is not for me. And more than 20 years ago, I became quiet. I did not say a word. I was shocked. I believed. Asking, seeking, and knocking is praying. Can I give you a definition of praying? Well, if you don't want to, I'll keep it away for next week. Praying, praying right now. God said to me last night in the last couple of months, everything is changing, and you know that prayer is changing. Prayer is changing. Because prayer is simply aligning with the will of God. Yeah. Prayer is alignment with God's will. You can write it down, you can paste it, you can frame it, you can laminate it. That I'm saying to you, prayer is aligning with the will of God. I got shocking news for you. Adam before he fell <clears throat> is the ultimate dimension of lifestyle. Adam before he fell. I can see Kyle sitting there thinking, but I know nothing about Adam before he fell. I also felt like that. I asked God, but Adam before he fell, I, there's nothing. I'm not like you. I think differently. I could see Adam walking around there naked, but he wasn't naked. He was clothed with the glory of God. But he walking in the glory of God. Totally naked, but walking. I could see him walking around there. And not being attracted by this woman's nakedness next to him. Because it's the glory of God that covered him. Mm -hmm. Something about the glory of God, guys, it's beautiful. The glory of God does not hide nakedness, as you heard before. The glory of God simply is God's person, his character, his density. And when you come into the proximity of that, you become the same. Adam walked with God. Adam walked with God. In the first 10 chapters of Genesis, you find this walk with God a couple of times. And there was a man called Enoch that walked with God and was no more. Did you get it? Walking with God. That's how you align with God's will. You walk with God. How do you walk with God? We have a word. We have a book now. This book came because Mankind sinned, and now God had to speak from outside man into man. But before 
before Adam, <coughs> God never spoke from the outside. God spoke from within. As I prove it to you, Jesus comes and says, and this is Karen, this is how you learn how to operate. Like Adam, Jesus said, what I see the Father do, that I do. What I hear the Father say, that I say. In other words, you've got to align your sight, your hearing, and your speaking with the Father. That's an ultimate dimension, and it's difficult, guys. So we haven't been told that way. The Bible says, early in the morning, Jesus got up, outside, outside the camp, away from the hustle and bustle of people, because these people got up very early in the Middle East. Before they got up, Jesus was praying already. And Jesus did not go to Ramakashika, like my father meet my needs, and God meet meet Karen and meet Alcibi. Jesus didn't go and do that. Jesus went and inquired of the Father. What's the day holding? <coughs> That's alignment with God. The prayer mechanism is changing big time. And I made a decision in the next couple of weeks, Sundays and Tuesdays, we're going to discover the new prayer mechanism. You might say, but I want to pray. After you hear some of the things we share, you might say, I need to learn to pray. I need to learn to pray properly. As the rain and the snow falls from heaven and does not return back unto you, but without accomplishing what it was sent for. It was sent for to give, to water the earth, to cause the earth to bear and to sprout. And to sow in bread to the eater, God just shows my word. The word goes out exactly the same way, like the water, and the snow goes out. To do something called God's desire. In other words, prayer means you first find His desire. What's God's desire for Alchemy? The number one priority of God is maturity. Okay, so we need to learn to pray, open the eyes of my understanding, concerning Christ. The understanding must become our first priority in prayer. Okay. First priority in prayer. Okay, first priority in prayer. Well, I'm done. We're going to have the table of the Lord now. I realize one thing. Learning can make can make you puffed up. A lot of knowledge can make you puffed up. We've received a lot of knowledge and understanding. Sorry, you you said in the beginning of it while you were giving your introduction that you said two weeks ago you started saying something about two weeks ago and then you said, right, let me just give you some some info before that and then you never 